Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. <sighs> fellas, fellas, fellas. That was fun, huh? Nice little matinee game, an afternoon game in Brooklyn. Game four of the ga- of the five-game Eastern Conference road swing. Equates to another loss for the Phoenix Suns. Matthew, the team has now lost two in a row after losing to Boston the other night. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think of this one? Nah, it's tough, man. I uh, I love my lazy Sundays. I really do. So, I mean, if Monty wants to just tell me, like, hey, the last minute, Suns are only down by eight. I'm just going to sit them, uh, sit the starters and put it in the bench. You know, just let me know. I'll turn it off. I have a minute to myself. I can gather more information for this podcast. But uh, no, he didn't let me know or the rest of the, the Suns fans out there that we're just going to give up with a minute left. I don't know if that's a big deal for you, but that was kind of weird. I thought down by eight against a Nets team where if we, even though we're not making our threes, wide open threes, a couple threes within 20 seconds, we're right back in the game. That was very weird to me. I don't know what you thought about that and if that made you a little pissed. Because I actually wasn't upset with this game. I thought we just missed a lot of threes, but that last minute was very, very strange to me. Yeah, it's almost like a repeat of uh, the Boston game, huh? Missing too many threes in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like that That game, the Boston game, the, the, the team let us down. The players on the court were very lazy. They didn't feel like playing tonight. It was kind of like Monty did a little bit, but oh, well. We're two and two now on this road trip. It's two and two now now on the road trip, and you know I think my my initial reaction is I'm I'm not overly upset. I'm kind of in the mindset of let's get to the playoffs, man. Like I'm ready for the playoffs. We knew that this last stretch of the schedule for the Phoenix Suns was going to be grueling. That there would be losses, but it's not the same as losses that occurred earlier in the season when you're losing to the Pistons and the and the Washington Wizards after they've been like decimated by COVID, those are games that you you truly are just upset at. Mm-hmm. And there's reasons to be upset in this game, and we'll cover that here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. But I think overall, you, the Nets are currently the number one team in the East. They're without James Harden. They're disgusting with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They've got Blake Griffin. I mean, they've got all these different weapons, and you walk away from the game frustrated, yes, upset with refereeing, of course, but still looking forward towards the playoffs and knowing that that's what the end goal is. And if by any chance, by some, you know, uh, great run by the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs, the next time we'll see the Nets is in the NBA finals. This isn't a team that we're going to run into on our quest towards an NBA final. So, you know, I will, I, I won't tip my cap to the, to the Nets because super teams drive me crazy, but I will just kind of bottle up my emotions like I always do and just kind of, yeah. Get get ready for the next one. Get ready for the next one. So uh, on that note, welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. Thank you if you're joining along live with us. Whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, we truly appreciate it. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and go ahead and leave us one of your Spoken words. We'll, we'll we'll put it right here on the podcast. We'll read it for all the jamsters everywhere to hear. If you are watching along live on YouTube, smash that like button while you're here, and you you can become an elite jamster simply by clicking the join button and following the link in the description. Feel free to donate to the show via the super chat anytime because we're going to use that to get Matthew better rapping and singing lessons. Uh, and <clears throat> after that, Matthew, are, are you going to be popping a beer with me today? You know what? I got my Starbucks coffee right now. Oh, I got well, my coffee. Well, what kind of what kind of Starbucks coffee? Almond milk latte. Well, I I got myself a Starbucks coffee too. It's a strawberry cream a frappuccino. It's it it was coffee. like four hours ago when I got it. And I just put it in the fridge. I'm like, I'll drink this on the podcast. Uh, it looks like ice cream, dude. It looks yeah. like it's spicy though, man. Mine's pretty good. 
So Ooh. I'm glad we both got our Starbucks, can enjoy the sun's loss, and uh, the season's over, right? Just kidding. Yeah, I, guess, I, think, I think we need to trade DeAndre Ayton. I think that yes. Langston Galloway should probably be, at least get a nod at, at starting our two-guard position. Toy Craig clearly is the answer from now on at the center position. So I think we just need to tear it all down and, and build it back together. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a loss is a loss. We're still the number two team in the Western Conference for right now because the Clippers, I think we're now tied with the Clippers. Uh, I, think but we're, I think we're third now because the Clippers beat us twice, right? This is true. We dropped down. Oh, oh well. Third. It's all right. It's all, it's all good. You know uh-huh. what, Jamsters? We're still going to have some fun. There's a lot to talk about ref, relative to this Suns versus Nets game. Uh, so pop them if you got them. I'm going to pop some Starbucks. Matthew's going to pop some Starbucks. Boing. And we're going to pop this intro. Hold on. There you go. (laughs) Forty two wins and eighteen losses. As the Suns have now completed game 60 of the season. Game 60 is a loss to the Nets by a final score of 128 to 119. And Matthew, as we look at this game, the one question I have for you. What did we learn? What did we learn? Actually, Kenneth Payne brought it up earlier. Sad to say, but we're not good enough yet for this this level of competition. It's sort of true. What this reminds me of, kind of like when Booker made his first All-Star game and he went up against the All-Stars, of course, and he just looked out of place because he's not as good yet as a lot of these elite players. It kind of looked like that tonight. I mean, it's hard to match baskets with this Nets team, let alone when they're just drilling threes and in the hands of defenders. You can't match that with twos, and then if you're missing your twos, then you have no chance. So you can see, of course, why the Nets are the the favorite team right now to win the NBA championship because Kevin Durant comes in off the bench, and it's just amazing. I don't even know what to say about that guy, but he's unstoppable. Kyrie's unstoppable. So this team is unstoppable, all right? It's just, you know, you can't do anything. No matter how good you are, no matter how good McHill turns into a defender, he just he's not going to be the guy to stop any of these guys. No one can stop him. I mean, they can get a shot against anybody. So what I learned is, yeah, Suns aren't on, on that level yet. They really aren't, but they miss a lot of open threes, so maybe that's the reason they lost. But our stars, of course, right now aren't as good as what they have on their roster. And there's a lot of teams in the NBA who can say that statement that you just said, Matthew. A lot of teams don't have the star power and the firepower that the Brooklyn Nets have. The first time we played them, they didn't have Kyrie Irving or Durant, I believe. Maybe they had Durant, but they definitely had James Harden who owned us. It was just James Harden. That's correct. It was just James Harden. Tonight, they don't have James Harden. They They have Durant. They have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And it's just, it's a cheat code. You know, this has been a road trip of cheat codes. You're going against Giannis Antetokounmpo, who himself is a cheat code. You have Joel Embiid, who is also a cheat code. You have the Boston game in which the team just couldn't shoot the three ball very well. They they played really, really solid defense, defense on everybody. Kemba Walker just found his way to his most successful game of the season. And then tonight you go against a cheat code of a basketball team. And again, that's why we said coming into this road trip, if we can fly back to Phoenix, Arizona with a three and two record under our belt, it is a successful road trip. They have an opportunity to do that tomorrow against the Knicks, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But you look at this game and yes, Kevin Durant, he's been out the last three games. And that was kind of one of the talking points. You know, he was somebody who was going to be on a minutes restriction this evening. He was supposed to per coach Steve Nash of the Brooklyn Nets only play about 14 to 15 minutes. Kevin Durant ended up playing 28 minutes off the bench, 12 for 21 shooting, two for three from deep, seven for eight from the free throw line, and ended with 33 total points. When you look at Kevin Durant, Matthew, are you a fan of him? Yeah, I'm a fan of all these guys. And honestly, James Harden's the only one that might tick me off a little bit when I watch play, but I still respect his game a lot. But all three of these guys, Blake Griffin can go suck a butt. All three of the stars on this team are absolutely fun to watch. They don't bug me. Like, you know, when the Suns lose like to, to a Doncic or a player we hate, like the Utah Jazz, 
it's frustrating because you hate these guys' faces. You don't like to lose to them. But when you play against Durant, it's great. And as Kyrie Irving will probably be one of the best point guards that ever play the game if he actually plays a full season coming up next year, the years after. It's just these guys are they're tough to hate, and especially when Irving pulls off that mini fro he has going on right now. That thing's nice. Good. He looks amazing. If the Suns would have won, I would have still gave the jam star to Kyrie Irving and that mini fro. He, he looks great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm a big fan of the Nets. I, I've said this numerous times coming into the season. I'm glad that they're in the Eastern Conference. I'm glad they're a team that we don't have to fight through the playoffs in an effort yeah. to try to make a finals against. I like that they have Steve Nash as the coach and Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach. They're they're a fun team to watch. And I'm a huge Kevin Durant fan. I always have been. The Slim Reaper is somebody who is just so effortless when it comes to the game of basketball. And he's so good in so many different areas. Caden uh, Carter says, <laughs> the chase says, fuck Kevin Durant. I thoroughly enjoy watching Kevin Durant play. Now, Blake Griffin, that's another story as you referenced. Uh, frustrating to watch him flop up and down the court and get the calls, right? Yeah, it's annoying. When you watch him early, like he is getting pushed around a lot. Like he lets DeAndre and he lets these other defenders push him around or else even on the offensive end, he'll do that early. So then when it looks like he's going to get pushed and he flops, it looks like it's a real foul because the whole game, he's just intertwined with these guys and their arms are interlocked a lot. And then he'll push off of that and flop. And the DA got two calls in a row, basically, that got him thrown out of the game with when he got the five fouls. But that's just the smarts he has. It's like he doesn't have the athleticism, of course. We're going to talk about him like, you know, he can't dunk, even though he can dunk a little bit now. But he's sudden, he's yeah. he's his IQ is high. He he he's just like a hardened player where it's like you got to give him props. He's using his IQ. He's doing what he has to do to get that team to the bonus. And <laughs> that helps out that team in the end where you got shooters like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving going to the line, drawing the fouls including himself like Griffin, but he is, it's frustrating to watch. It just sucks because he knows what he's doing all game. Cause I'm like, Oh, look at Deandre bodying up Blake, pushing him around, but it's just part of the game plan. It's part of Blake Griffin's game plan against Deandre to get that, mm-hmm. the body to body. And then they can start flopping and get the calls. Cause that's just what he does. And he was, you know, it was going both ways because you had Deandre Ayton who was being as physical as he could be with uh, Blake Griffin as well through the first three quarters. I mean, obviously Blake Griffin was uh, uh, somebody who was coming in off the bench, but he was coming in in an effort to be pesky with DeAndre Ayton because they had no answer for DA early on. And DeAndre Ayton accepted the challenge of playing against both DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin and being a physical individual. Unfortunately, some of those ticky tack calls, which we saw plenty of them this evening, mm-hmm. did catch up to DeAndre Ayton come the the uh the fourth quarter yeah he did and uh, deandre played a phenomenal game uh he did what he had to do against the nets and it just shows like he can step up in these big games like the suns did you know i think we're right there on the same level right with this team the nets i mean the star level is a little bit higher of course for the nets but we can hang with this team and i think just those missed threes were huge but deandre i mean he looked amazing tonight i thought when he was in the watch 2021 I had to do it. I had to cut you off. We're talking too much DeAndre no, I was not. to drop. I said game and that was it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, DeAndre, I mean, he he looked fantastic in this mm-hmm. game. And I, I was kind of monitoring his performance quarter by quarter. And he had eight of the Suns' first 18 points. He uh eight and six in the in the first quarter. So eight rebounds, six points. Yeah. No, other way, eight points, six rebounds. Two points, four rebounds in the second quarter, eight points, two rebounds in the third quarter, and then two points and one rebound in the fourth quarter because he was in ultimately caught up in foul trouble foul trouble. Uh mm-hmm. he ended with uh 20 points and 13 rebounds, nine for 12 shooting. And you knew that this was going to be a focal point for the Phoenix Suns, considering that the the Brooklyn Nets aren't really deep when it comes to bigs, and they don't have athletic bigs. As we mentioned, DeAndre Jordan isn't what you would define as an athletic big. Blake Griffin isn't an athletic big. He is a flopper now. I mean, he is somebody who his athletic talent has left him, so he has to find new strategic ways to make himself impactful. He can shoot the three a little bit, uh, but defensively, he is not anywhere near, you know, he was never a great defensive player, but now he doesn't have the athleticism to be remotely defensive so you know DeAndre just uh, a quality game tonight you know it's unfortunate because as the 
Brooklyn Nets were starting to collapse on him, the Suns couldn't execute their offense outside of DeAndre Ayton at times. No, they couldn't, but he was moving the ball well. I mean, he almost got triple team, I think, three different times in the mm-hmm. post. And it, it needed to happen because I love DeAndre. I mean, eight offensive rebounds. It has to be a career high, right? I'm not I didn't check the stats. I should have, you know. I could just look it up really quick. But that's that's has to be like a career high. It has to be up there because he knew right away that he had the mismatches he needed all game. And especially when he would just throw it up there with a the jump hook and go after it after that, like a little Sean Marion-esque where you just throw it off the rim and then go get it. That's fun to watch from DeAndre because he knows he has the ability to do that. So for things to start clicking for him and start doing that, it's fun. And like you were saying, the offense, I just think that when DeAndre had the ball and he would pass it out, nothing else would get going. I mean, there were wide open shots, dude. There were things the Suns were executing. The ball just was not going in. So that's what I love about Aiden. He set up Mikel Bridges. He had some really good assists in this game where he was finding guys cutting, especially with Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Yes was absolutely trying to you know do the most he can on cutting to the rim and DeAndre found him for one of those and that's the thing that he can do I think if, two years ago when we started this pod I was like I feel like DeAndre can be one of the best passing big men he has the opportunity it's just whether or not these guys can finish and get used to the opportunity that he's going to give them to where they can take it to the rim or just hit the wide open three so he'll, he'll start piling on those assists as long as these guys can fall through it's just one of these days where the Suns couldn't do that. So that was really the difference. But Aiden did whatever he needed to do on the court tonight. I mean, foul trouble, he, of course, can learn from that. We can blame the refs all we want. But he'll get smarter. He'll outsmart the other guys sooner or later, and it won't be an issue. Yeah, and I that play with Cameron Johnson was such a fantastic play that he, you know, he was pushing around Blake Griffin. They brought the double team. He just he had those smooth passes. And that's one of those things when you look at DeAndre Ayton that – is going to continue to develop and get better. It's his ability to pass because the opposition doesn't allow him to operate the way that he wants to because they know how much of a threat he is. As much yeah. as Sun's Twitter likes to bash him, and obviously that's uh, those those arguments and comments have gone way down as of late because of his performances recently, but as much as everybody would talk junk about DeAndre Ayton, the opposition always knew that that guy is highly talented so a lot of the times in which he would fumble the ball you know there, there, there's been no room for error for deandre Ayton because the moment he bobbles the ball just a little bit there's two defenders on him and they're swatting because i mean that's that's yeah. their game plan that's how they have to stop him so to see him continue to uh to develop and to showcase his affinity for trying to pass out of those situations and hit wide open guys is another positive to take away from this game and this stretch of the season, you know, for about the past three weeks that he's been on. Again, it's frustrating that he didn't get some calls and also that he didn't, you know, when he hit guys, they just, they weren't hitting the shots. You know, the Suns in this game, Another, you know, uh, I wouldn't. It wasn't. It wasn't nearly as abysmal from downtown, but they were twelve for thirty-four from downtown in this game for thirty-five percent overall, forty-seven uh, percent overall shooting. You know, to Brooklyn's fifty-three and a half, and you know, it's just not going to cut it when you're playing arguably one of the best teams in the NBA. Did you watch any of this broadcast on ESPN? No, actually, I saw a tweet at halftime. I was like, oh, this game's on ESPN. I had no idea, but I already saw that. It was trash, double trash cans. So I did not I did not switch over because I, I love EJ and Kevin Ray. I can just I can leave it there all day. I don't care. Well, I always like to take a look at what the national pundits are saying relative to the Suns and their matchup. And as I began watching this game with Doris Burke, and I forget who was calling the other side, but it was just it was clear a couple things. One, you could tell that they're both like sitting in their their closets at home because everything's just so delayed. You know, they're like, Oh, and uh, uh, Kyrie hit a three. It's like, so I I hate that stuff. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a pleasurable watch. And as uh, you know, we have Melvin here, a Suns fan UK says Doris might as well be employed by the nets in this one. She, it, it was, it was a pretty aggressive, propaganda campaign for how glorious the nets are and what they do and talking about how great of a general manager sean marks is mm-hmm. it's like listen you want to talk about a great general manager go ahead and look at the job that james jones has done he doesn't have multi-year all-stars and finals 
you know, guys who've won championships showing up to his door, knocking and be like, Hey, can I come play for you? You know, he's got Chris Paul came and he's the one guy who did, but he's never won a championship. And like Jay Crowder, who's been in the playoffs, who had to be coerced by the rest of the Suns. I don't know how much of a great job Sean Marks, former Phoenix Sun, by the way, I don't know how much of a great job he's necessarily done in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, it's got to be pretty easy when everybody just shows up at your front door and they're superstars. They're like, yeah, we want to play here. You're like, sweet. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not much. Of, I think Steve Nash has to take all the credit. I honestly think a lot of these players want to play for Steve Nash because he lets them do what they want to do. And they were talking about it. EJ was talking about it, how he has to be like a therapist basically to this team. Right? They're psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever it is. He is psychiatrist. He honestly... He is that guy, right? I mean, he's a psychiatrist to this team. <laughs> psychiatrist, <laughs> psychiatrist, fool. I know, psychiatrist, that's great. Psychiatrist, but uh, he he is that guy. I mean, there's a lot that you don't see, of course, in the locker room or what these guys want to do off the court, and a lot of it probably flies with Steve Nash. He he lets them play together on the court the way they want to play off the court. You can do what you want if you don't want to show up for the game. That's fine. You don't have to early in the season. I mean, any other coach would have probably suspended the player or sat the player just to prove a point. But Steve Nash, I feel like, listens to this team. A lot of sensitive guys on this team. So he has to listen. He has to embrace them, feel where their heart is. You know, he has to be that guy. So he deserves all the credit. I mean, he's he's a runner-up, maybe third uh, on my coach of the year award. I mean, Monty's of course number one, but Steve Nash is up there. He's he's done a great job, and he got a lot of flack for taking that job and being just right out of the NBA, being a being a head coach right away, like it was given to him. And he's mm-hmm. had help with Mike D'Antoni too, but he he got a lot of shit for it earlier, and he deserves a nod for coach of the year. I mean, Monty will win, but I think he he should be up there. He'll be up there, I I think so. But again, I'll even I'll play devil devil's advocate to that. Like you know, Kenneth Payne says in the chat, he says even a monkey could coach this team to the playoffs. And obviously, it's a lot harder than that for the reasons that Matthew pointed out. You know, you have egos that you have to constantly stroke, kind of like yeah. Doris Burke was stroking the entire Nets team you know, during this broadcast. And it, it's not necessary. It's not an easy thing to do. Managing people <laughs> is the hardest part of my job. I mean, it is managing yeah. personalities, understanding that everybody needs that. to be managed differently, mm-hmm. trying to keep everybody happy and play well in the sandbox is the hardest part of what I do. And it's the same for a, a coach. It's the same for anybody who has to lead people. That being said, the level of talent on this team is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And it is, I will knock that for Steve Nash and, and Sean Marks because they do have so much talent that there's so much room for error within the confines of trying to manage all these egos and these people that it, even if you know something goes wrong and somebody's a little bit upset, their talent alone, even when they're pissed off, is going to still come through. If this, I mean, this team is so talented. I mean, you look at somebody like Joe Harris in this game. Joe Harris didn't have any points at halftime, ends with 10 points. And he's a guy who is like, you know, on any other team, he's averaging 18, 19, 20 a night. You know, I mean, he's just he, he's a fireball shooter, uh, but because they have so much offense on this team, it's like he doesn't he you know, he's a minor minor. He's the fifth option sometimes on offense. Him and Shamit are like the fourth and fifth options. It's almost ridiculous and, and almost, you know, dare I say unfair. You know, I was talking to you. Uh, we went out yesterday uh, to celebrate your sister's promotion slash birthday and Rose. Lissy. And, <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about Moneyball. I just watched Moneyball again. It's one of those movies that I absolutely love because, you know, Brad Pitt says he's like, we're playing an unfair game. We're playing a game in which you have payrolls that are this high and you have, you know, because baseball's payroll structure is all jacked. And, you know, they were trying to find a way to try to beat the system, if you will, in Moneyball. For those of you who've seen it, I'm sure you have. When it comes to the NBA, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets are like the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers. They all have the, you know, they, they can spend 160 million. They get all the, the the payroll tax, luxury tax, all those things, you know. And you look at that, that 40 million extra that they pay over the average salary in the NBA, because the average team is about 112 uh, million dollars of payroll salary. You know, they can afford to take the hit one and two. Guys will take discounts to come and play there, a la like the Blake Griffins. Again, you know, he's he's trash ish, but he did have an effect on this game. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. It's interesting to I, I can't sit there and give the Nets all this credit for this amazing job that they're doing because they already have a lot of the answers to the tests. 
Yeah, but then one of the things is it's so stupid in the NBA and in sports. You have to stay motivated to win. And it's so difficult right now to get these guys to go out there and win. Uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie both won championships. Um, the reason they probably want to win now more than anything is because of James, James Harden. So you got to find that thing. It's like, so what is the meaning of all of this with basketball? It's like, so the championship's the ultimate prize. It should be something that should motivate anybody, right? Every year to win as many as you can. But it's like it's impossible to have three in a row because everyone gets so sick of each other and they need something to get them going again, something to motivate them. So it's like, then how important is a championship, right? I mean, if if you don't want to go out there and play with the same guys every season, if you have that roster, the ability to do so, and just want to play hard, want to win every game, want to win the championship every year when they have the opportunity because before you know it, you might be done. I mean, Kevin Durant survived a couple injuries. Now he's back, but he his run was almost over you know he might he might have never got another chance with the injuries he had so i'm just it's just so weird right now so that's why i think steve nash has the opportunity to really do something special with this team because he has to motivate them and then into next season into next season if he's still the head coach so that's just something to look out for it's like why the hell are we even doing all this if it doesn't even matter to these guys You know, you're not wrong. You know, it's it's interesting to hear Weird. consistently, you know, like when Kevin Durant was in Golden State and he was with Steph Curry and how the regular season was almost like a uh, an annoyance to him. I mean, because he would go yes. on the Bill, Sim- the Bill Simmons podcast and talk about talk about blog boys, which I guess we're we're blog boys and such. And he would just talk about how unmotivated he was during the regular season. And, you know, I guess I can see that because I remember being in the playoffs parentally as a, as a Suns fan. And whenever they would lose, you'd be like, oh, shit, we have to go through a whole other regular season just to get back to the playoffs. You know, so I, yeah. I can get that mentality from a player, but at the same time, like the ability to stay motivated. I mean, don't they give you like 34 million reasons to be motivated every year? Like, yeah, that could be one of the reasons, but then money doesn't matter either. I mean, the happiness is just with themselves. And especially when you have Durant who just hates himself or everybody around him for no reason. I don't know what's going on with him. So <laughs> it's hard to manage that. <laughs> True. It, it really is. And it's, you know, it's kind of one of those psychological challenges that these guys have to face year and year, yeah. night in, night out. And we're just a couple of podcasters who enjoy watching the game. And, you know, I try to analyze what's on the court, not what's going on in between those heads sometimes. The Sarge Smoke Break. Thank fucking God. Dario Sarge got a smoke break tonight. He did not play. Monty Williams must have read my piece called Where Art Thou Frank on brightsideofthesun.com <laughs> where I pretty much said, hey, listen, we need to let Dario sit a little bit. Like, I love Dario. I am a Dario supporter. Dario is going to be key to this team's success come playoff time. But get Frank some minutes. I don't care how ugly they are right now. Nothing could be uglier than a guy who just like just falls over all the time and <laughs> he got he got a smoke break so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking yeah. about Dario Sarge but I did want to talk about Frank Kaminsky he did get some minutes tonight finally got an opportunity to see him you know wasn't a ton of playing time 11 minutes five points one for two from three uh three rebounds two assists a steal and a turnover and three fouls for Frank Kaminsky but how nice was it to see big Frank back out there it was nice, but can you imagine being Frank and being like, oh, I'm back. Who are you guarding? <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> almost, <laughs> all, almost every possession. Like, good luck with that. I mean, whatever is not a foul is a foul. So whatever you do against him, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's you actually shouldn't even be there on the court. Just let him dunk it every possession because the guy was unstoppable. But for Frank, it's good to see him out there. I mean, I, a lot of these minutes he plays – he's not really like degrading the team at all. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of times in the past where he'd just be like such an annoyance, but now it's just like maybe a few times it's like, oh, why did you do that? But you're Frank Kaminsky. You're limited, right? You're limited in what you can do defensively a lot of the time. So he does his best. It's good to see him out there hit a three uh, right away. And uh, we're going to need him, dude, I think. And I think they're going to see – that's the only way I feel like he could have played Frank, right, is if you just sit Dario – for yep. uh, he deserves some time off just to get things back and if he is hurt that's fine but just sit him i mean you have frank you have tory craig you have these guys even cam johnson even with jay crowder out cam johnson is playing amazing he's earning himself a starting spot pretty soon so you have these guys that can step in and i'm, I'm glad to see frank back i think he'll help out a lot towards the end when we're not playing kevin durant Kyrie irving <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well you know? you know i think he's very similar in to Dario because he doesn't have a ton of athletic ability. 
and he tries to maximize everything he has. And whenever he starts to back somebody down or do something in the lane, lane offensively, it's almost comical because it's like it's watching it's like watching a deer walk for the first time. It's just they're all over it's the place. Sarich. It is. It's like watching. <laughs> yeah. It's just a bigger Sarich. But uh, real quick, shout out to Coda Kid uh, for the oh, ten dollars yes. in the super chat and Tree Nugs for four twenty. He gave us four twenties and said cheers. So nice, thank you. very nice. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. We're gonna get uh, Matthew some uh, an eye patch one day. He wants to be a pirate for Halloween. So the more you donate, the better and more high quality that patch can be for for Matthew. Or to be a pirate. Born to be a pirate. <laughs> but at the same time, he's he connects the offense in a way that Dario doesn't. And mm-hmm. I, I wrote about this a little bit in my piece, and I had a trash stat. My trash stat essentially was Frank Kaminsky, in his now 35 games that he's played as a member of the Suns this season, has over five assists three times. So that's just shy of like 10%. You know, it's like it doesn't happen all the time, but that's five assists. He's done it three times. How many times has Dario done five assists or more in a game this season? Take a guess. Twice. Zero. Yeah, zero, of course. Zero. He doesn't connect the offense the same way that Frank Kaminsky can. We wrote about it. We talked about it earlier in the season, the F&B connection, the Frank and Bridges connection, the way that he uses the cutters around him. And you saw early in this game, he was making a couple quality passes you know, to set up his team for to to be successful on offense. And although he is a liability on defense and isn't a great offensive player, he can hit the three ball and he can connect the offense. And for right now, for this last stretch of the season, I think it's important to get him some minutes because you may need him at some point in the playoffs. But more importantly, it's time to give Dario about three or four games off. Really give him some time off. You know, you might want to bring him out against Utah or against the Los Angeles Clippers just to, you know, put some more film out there to see what he's got against their backup bigs and things of that nature. And I'm all for that, but get get Dario some rest. Give him a smoke break. Yeah. I mean, he needs it. And I think Frank, he does a good job just because he's longer, right? He can keep the ball up high without getting snatched out of his hands. Like Dario happens to him a lot where all of a sudden he'll be fumbling and bumbling underneath the rim with somebody or up in the post it's just like, what's going on over there? And then Frank, he can get it out quick. So that's something he's really good at. Um, but he deserves the minutes, I think. And right now, Sarich, just just wait till after these meaningful games, maybe to bring him back. I don't know. It's, it's a difficult situation for Monty, dude. And that's something that if he brings him back the right time and then Sarch can get back into a groove, that's awesome. Like That's something that's very difficult for Monty to actually predict and do. But if he pulls it off, I mean, that's saving us not us, but the Suns team minutes that are going to be fulfilled by a good Sarich, and he can actually put up some decent stats. And there's that gnat trying to fly in my mouth again. Mm, it wants some uh, coffee. Yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. You know, and again, come playoff time, Dardo is going to be huge because we've obviously the growth of DeAndre Ayton this uh, uh, postseason is going to be paramount moving forward yeah. just for him as an individual. But we're really going to go as far as kind of the bench can take us. And Dario is going to be a key cog in that. And I was actually, I was listening to the Coast to Coast podcast. So shout out to Daniel Duarte and Flex from Jersey. They put out the Coast to Coast podcast. Uh, Fantastic listen if you have the time. And they were talking about if, you know, the first thing they were talking about was kind of the the playoff seating and how the Suns, End goal should be a two or a three seed, not the number one seed, which we talked about in the last podcast. I totally agree with that because it puts the Lakers as far away from you as possible so we can meet the Lakers in the Western Conference final, knowing that they would have to go through two tough series in order to get to the Suns through Denver and Utah, essentially. And the Suns obviously have to take care of their business. But another another, uh, question that they posed to each other, and I thought was a good one, was if we get to the Western Conference finals and we lose to the Lakers, is this a successful season for the Suns? Yeah, I think so. I think absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, I I've said that all along. I don't think we're going to beat the Lakers if they're if they only have Anthony Davis and we lose. And yeah, it's unsuccessful because the Suns team wants a championship this year. And so, what's wrong with us Suns fans wanting it too? So we want those. Ex- we are on the same expectation level as a team because they want to win it all this year. Okay, they don't want they want to skip another whole step. Mm-hmm. They want to just win it all. I mean. So if we were against, if the Lakers aren't healthy, though they're not making it to the Western Conference Finals, of course. But if it's LeBron and AD healthy, I don't think it's possible. Maybe they can, they maybe they can squeeze it out in seven. But it would absolutely be, um, you know, a great season to look back on. 
it'd be tough to get through both of them in a seven game series. Ooh, Beating them four be times tough, would be absolutely tough. I'll tell you another thing that was tough today was seeing Mike James and Tyler Johnson out there for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the nice. ghosts of Suns backcourt pass. And then they started, yes. you know, they both had a couple bad passes. I was like, I swear I've seen this before, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Tyler Johnson, he's just a spot-up three-point shooter now. He's absolutely fulfilling his role. And you talked about these guys. Um, what was his name? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. J- Joe Harris. I don't know why I forgot his name. I love okay. that guy, actually. Joe Harris, like, they had to, like, play around with this lineup there's so many ins and outs who's starting who's not so these roles these guys are picking up without complaint and just doing what they do hitting the threes when they need to and just doing more i mean those two kind of fit in i know mike james would only play six minutes and got two points but it's funny to see him because we know the rough days we had with him but then tyler johnson has his role i think tyler johnson knows what to do now he even in the bubble looked really good for this team so what did his hair do it's crazier and crazier every time I every see him. Every time. And I love it, dude. I think he is just, he's looks like a animal out there, right? He's just, <laughs> just a freaking animal, man, with that hair. I don't even know what, what's in like, and what's out. It, it was like pigtails. I was like, what's yeah, going it's like, on? What's yeah, what's tied up? What's what's even let loose? Like, what's going on up there, man? So I'm jealous. Anybody that has that much hair, is it's an amazing person to me. <laughs> well, and you know, and Mike, Mike James, you know, I got to say, he got one call on him where... I was like, hold on, dude. Like, Booker doesn't get that call. You know, and this is going to segue right into my next segment where we just uh, blast, blast the referees because, you know, f- fuck them refs. But, like, I see Mike James going. You know, he, he goes for a jump shot. Uh, I forget who was who it was. It was Chris Paul or Devin Booker. One of them kind of came down on the ball and didn't seem like there was a bunch of contact, and boom, there was a whistle. And it was right yeah. at that point that I was really starting to go, oh, shit. The refs are listening to what Doris Burke is saying. The national narrative clearly must be that the Suns need to go ahead and uh, not win this game. You know, the, the national media was making it sound like the Suns were lucky to be there, which is, is bullshit. And, you know, you know, you kind of look at the end result. The Suns had 24 fouls. The Nets had 17 fouls. But there was just a lot of uh, weird calls, I feel like. Did you see the play where Mikael Bridges makes a layup on a wide-open pass from DeAndre Ayton and just, you know, the ball comes down right to him and he just, gives the ball to the ref and they call a delay a game on him. Like what the actual yeah. fuck was that? There were some weird things besides foul calling that were just, what is going on? I mean, those two with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Eaton, where he would just put his elbow out because they were fighting all game and he flops. Those are the two where I was upset about, but I mean, the Suns got to the free throw line just as much as the Nets did to say, to go against the refs always after these losses it does suck. And like, where's the respect? You know what? I don't know. It's not going to happen this year, I guess. So I'm trying to move past it. It is frustrating yeah. to watch, but the Suns need to, too. I mean, if they were going to come out, Book's last interview after the Celtics game, like not enough respect. I don't know, dude. A, a lot of those fouls were fouls on Book. And a lot of those no calls were just no calls. They just weren't there. So if you're going to rely on those calls all game, you're going to lose a game. You're going to. I mean, Unless you're handling the ball consistently, like a Luka Doncic or Jokic, like these guys that always have the ball and just need to rely on the refs a lot more. Booker's mm-hmm. not that guy. Booker needs to focus on, you know, I can get easy shots against a lot of these defenders. You know, if you're going to draw the foul and you don't get it, I'm sorry, man. I don't know what to say because I think it's really costing him mentally in the end with this this ref thing. I mean, I know they control the game, of course, to the refs, but you absolutely need to focus on other things and getting upset about this because I don't know what to say about it anymore because it's going to be something till next season we're going to have to think about and talk about. Yeah, the refs is always kind of the, the trigger point for us as fans, and it's not unique. And that's one thing that I've, I'm learning more and more as we've conducted these podcasts and we've, we've immersed ourselves in communicating with other fan bases is we are not alone in thinking that we get screwed over by the refs. You know, you look at yeah. the game against the Milwaukee Bucks in which P.J. Tucker hit Devin Booker on the arm, and it was a foul. But, you know, I talked to a couple of Bucks fans after that game, and they're like, dude, that wasn't the only thing where it was like, that was kind of some bullshit. You know, they're like, Devin Booker does this, like, run flyby thing, and he throws a ball up, and he kind of nods his head, and they like, that's not a foul every time. I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that, you know? But I'm like, yeah, it's, it's also the makeup for all the other fouls that he doesn't get called on him, where he, like the DeAndre Jordan play today, where he went down, put up a great, you know, left-handed shot, but DeAndre Jordan just bulldozed him after the shot and it was it was no foul. Yeah. You know, so I mean it, it's frustrating to see that and again it's it's the part of the game where I think both you and I have tried to 
put ourselves a little bit further and further away from that discussion because it's just no point. I mean, I wish it was consistent. I wish it was clear. I wish there was, you know, as yeah, as AD14 debt says in the in the chat, Blake was flopping everywhere. Like I wish these things weren't happening, but players are incentivized for it. That's the way that the game is called consistently. It's consistently inconsistent. It's consistently bad yeah. in my opinion. We've talked about it numerous times on this podcast how that's one thing that they need to address going into this offseason is you know really trying to get some control of this. And, and I've said it before, they need to have better training protocols for referees to ensure that they know what, what is a foul and what's not a foul and take some of the decisions out of the hands. You know, one thing that I think that Major League Baseball does great at is if there's a bang bang play at second base there and the, the coach chooses to review it. New York is the the third party that goes. Okay, this is what the call was. It's not the two guys. It's not the it's not the umpire who was right there who made the wrong call. And we're like, no, 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 I was right, man. Yeah. No, it was, it's too close, right? Right? Like, no, no, I, I'm good at what I do, right? Right? Right, Bob? Yeah, yeah you're great <laughs> at what you do, bud. You know, it's like, no, it's New York being like, hey, Bob, you, you fucking blew that one, okay? And I wish yeah. we'd see a little bit more of that in the NBA. You know who? What league did it the best was the XFL. Where you watched it when you're watching it live. There's a guy or a woman up there in the booth reviewing it right then and there yeah. with the commercial audience, everyone, and they're saying exactly what they're seeing and why they're calling what they're calling. That is the perfect way to do. It. I mean, in the NBA, maybe not, but there just has to be somebody. Even with those little elbows that DeAndre threw and then Blake flops, someone should see that real time. Be like, no, it's not. A, it's not a foul. And just be like, no, you know, overturn, just inbound the ball. You know, yep. it was a it was a bad call. And then we'd be very forgiving. But then we'd be like, well, why are we stopping the game because of all these calls? Like all these calls are getting wrong. They're blowing the whistle. It's a very difficult situation, dude. And Book got to the line tonight, or he shot nine free throws tonight. So that was tied with the most with the Nets players, too. So I just thought, I don't know. We just didn't make our shots. If I was a referee and you're complaining, be like, you know what? Make your wide open three sons. Make your <laughs> wide open shots. You have this game. And then your coach is going to pull you guys only down by eight with a minute left. And you're blaming the rest because you lost the game. It's like, I'm sorry. You got a lot of more issues on your side than what we have. So that's what I would do. If I was, I'm not a ref lover. I'm just saying like, once you start doing this, you're going to lose sight of what the real goal is for the Suns. just being a team basketball playing playing team ball and just that's the way they were winning that's the way they can continue to win just focus on that well you make a great point you know transparency is the best policy and that's what made the xfl for the four weeks that it was on before COVID hit last year really fun to watch was you could sit there and actually transparently see why they were making decisions the way that they were but i digress you know again uh the refs there's nothing you can do about that one guy i gotta talk about though man is the motherfucking juice Dude, he came in the game today and said, what's yeah. up? Is he taking Dario's minutes potentially? I mean, he could. He's been yeah. ha- Has he been playing better than Mikhail Bridges? Um, It's tough because I think Mikhail's really tired. I think Mikhail is super tired right now in the season. That's my excuse for him. I think, Mikhail, I think you're right. Defensively, you can't do much against these guys. He's playing against Kyrie and Kevin Durant at one time. Like, you can't do much. But right now, Juice, he has that, right? The Juice to yeah. come in because he hasn't really been playing. So he has all those minutes that he can use with the energy he has. And he's doing everything right. He kind of reminds me of when the Suns signed Tim Thomas. And Tim Thomas, of course, just came in, hit huge threes for the Suns, did some pretty decent rebounding that's and a I just, great I feel like, comparison i feel like this is like our tim thomas like he's coming in hitting big threes when you don't expect him to making great re- he's the best rebounder on the team by far he'll he's always in there he knows where the ball's coming off he wanted to do like the dennis robin just you know he's watching the rim he knows exactly where the ball's gonna come to he's always in there he's just he's ultimately gonna take dario's minutes i think and i think cam johnson is gonna get a lot more minutes so i don't know where you're gonna play dario right now except for backup center but then I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, just Tory Craig is fantastic to watch. I mean, he just you, you can't knock the hustle and he's got the hustle. And you're right. Tim Thomas is a great comparison for who he is. A guy who came in back end of the season. Although Tim Thomas, I think he came in with like 10 games left in the regular season. Yeah, and just like, he's like, he's like, get on my back, guys. We're going through the playoffs <laughs> in big yeah. shots against the Clippers and whatnot. But Tory, the juice Craig had a fantastic game tonight. Ends with a total of 20 points in 14 boards, 32 minutes, six for nine from the field, had a block, and was just pesky as shit, man. I mean, and the reason I brought up the McHale question is because there were times where Torrey Craig was also guarding Kyrie Irving and then guarding Kevin Durant. And it was just, you know, Mm -hmm. 
you're right about Mikhail. Mikhail is definitely tired. And he's somebody who is trying to learn and navigate how to push through this part of the season, knowing that, you know, kind of what's coming up on the horizon. It's one of those reasons why you wrote an article on Bright Side of the Sun about players on the Suns perhaps getting a little bit of rest at the back end of the season because people like Mikhail are going to need it. He's tired. He's somebody who teams now target defensively. You know, now granted, when you have to take on Kyrie Irving, we talked about this last podcast. And I know uh, Kenneth Payne actually hit me up during the game and was asking him about this. The, the frustrating thing about Mikhail, as great as he is, is he really has a hard time guarding fast, quick guards. And when the Suns put him in that situation, I almost put feel like they're putting him in a situation to fail. If they allow him to play defense against guys who are his position in those games, and let, let CP3 start off taking Kyrie Irving. Let him let him mm-hmm. try to damper the blow right off the bat. And then maybe via switches and things of that nature, Mikhail could actually get on to Kyrie for a possession or two versus every possession. Maybe we'll see a little bit of more offense from him. Maybe we'll see a little bit more defensive production. You know, Mikhail Bridges, seven points, 0 for 4 from three-point land, three assists, three rebounds tonight. What do you, what do you think about that? I mean, it was nice. I think he stepped up in certain ways, but I liked how you brought up, I think yesterday we were talking about, you're like, I want to see um, Chris Paul on Kyrie. And I think Chris yeah. Paul kind of held his own a little bit. It's fun to see those two go at it because you can see like after the dead Paul, the dead ball plays, you can see them talking to each other, like <laughs> talking about like, what the hell are you doing there? And all that stuff. It's fun, but Mikel can only do the best he can against these guys. It's just another level he has to go up against. And it's, it's, it's impossible, dude. If you ask any of these guys to go up against those superstars, no sleep the night before. How do you even sleep knowing you have to guard Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving the next day? Like, no sleep. I don't even. You would have to just smoke a bunch or something, or take a lot of. Uh, what do you take uh, to go to sleep? Melatonin. Melatonin. There you go. Take a bunch take, of those. Take take some of the those. <laughs> we call them we call them mellies. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, back to Toy Craig real quick. You know the juice. He's somebody who. Uh, I'm continually impressed by. I'm continuing to see how Monty's going to deploy him on a night like tonight where he proved like, hey, I'm going to give you the minutes. Show me what you can do. He had a massive impact on this game. And Buck Dog asked the question. He's like, who did Craig play for last year? Uh, he played for Denver last year. He yeah. signed with the Milwaukee Bucks this uh, this season and then was traded for cash considerations. You know, But I think in short, you can say that he gets around. You know. Oh, my God. How'd you get this video? Were you? Oh, is that you? Uh, is it playing or no? Oh, you can't hear it, can you? No, I can't hear anything. Uh, That's dang me it. at a very, very uh, pleasant dive bar over here singing karaoke. I got to figure out how to put these <laughs> on to where you can hear them. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, I was getting into that. You see me stepping backwards? Yeah. I got my hand in my pocket. Sweet moves. It's- it's Matthew singing <laughs> I get around. We'll DM if you guys want the video, DM us and we'll send it to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure a way to get this on here because it is okay. Yeah, yeah. Buck Doc says moment ruined. I set it up so perfectly I forget you can't hear the audio. I can hear it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's Matthew singing I get around by Tupac. You know, I've car- always wanted to sing night. that my whole life. I'm like, I've never done karaoke ever. And I'm like, I gotta sing this song. And they had it and I messed it up pretty bad. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I was actually really mad at myself going. It was awesome. Like, you fucking killed it, man. No, the first two verses I messed up because it just was I wasn't used to it. So Buck Dog, was that Matthew on karaoke? Yes, that was Matthew on mm-hmm. karaoke. And I will figure a way to put that on here. Uh, I appreciate it. Man. With, Thank with, you. Dang it! How did I how did I mess that up? Uh, real quick, CP3. Want to talk about him? Ended the game with a total of 14 points, eight assists, five from 11 from the field. Not his great greatest performance, but I was impressed with his defense on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. There was one play where Kevin Durant had him ISOed, back down twice on him. He pulled the chair because Kevin Durant turned around to to you know put up a jumper and i was expecting chris paul to be right there and create contact and he just he came up short on it It was one of the few shots that kevin durant made uh chris paul again the consummate professional yeah and honestly this is a game where like last game it's like can you get the win for the suns he almost had to right i mean booker tried his best but booker had 36 points but it seemed like just empty points in a lot of ways i just didn't know where he was consistent to where he can actually get us the win tonight Obviously he didn't. I just he was just missing. And I think Chris Paul, I mean Chris Paul was just missing, but he had a chance there. I feel like he wanted to go up against Kevin Durant and up against Kyrie. 
defensively and then offensively try to take over. It just didn't happen tonight. Yeah, he didn't he didn't have the, the juice, if you will, at the end of the game, as mm-hmm. a lot of the Suns didn't. So that brings me to our next segment. Jam star of the game. All right, this is your reminder, Jamsters. If you're watching along live, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button and subscribe, rate, and review. Matthew, who are you giving the jam star of the game to in this one? I think it's Tory Craig. And this might be his first one from me. Maybe not. Maybe second. Um, but absolutely deserving. I mean, he came in, played big minutes, and I didn't even know Dario was out till I saw him standing there on the sideline after the first quarter. And I'm like, where's Dario? Oh, he's in his he's in his uh, you know, PJs or whatever, or whatever he was wearing. But Tory Craig stepped up huge, dude. And I like we we're talking about how he has that energy. He can come in, he has a lot to use going into the playoffs. So he's gonna give it all he has, and he did tonight. And I think he helped us out as much as he could. I mean, he did as much as he could on the court. And he was outstanding tonight, I thought. As Buck Dog says, the juice. Yeah, I got to sure. give it to the juice as well, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. DeAndre Ayton had a fantastic game. Uh, was was the focal point of the offense. You know, the, the key to beating the Nets in the Suns scouting department's eyes was feed DA early and often. Uh, but having Dario out, having Torrey Craig with the opportunity to try to make an impact on this game, finally get to see what he could do in, in uh, multiple minutes. It's, it's gotta be Tory Craig, man. I mean, he was yeah. really fun to watch. And, and again, it, you know, it's, it's nice to see that depth come down in the way that it has and, and showcase to everybody like, Hey, come playoff time. We're going to have so many different options for this team. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in these next few games uh, as we get kind of to the back end of the season. And to see if that's something that the uh, the Suns choose to do is to give Tory Craig some more minutes while trying to rest Dario, or if Frank's going to get any minutes too. So uh, as Cody Kid says, Doris Burke Jam Star. I'm yeah. sorry I missed that. You know, usually I like Doris Burke. I I enjoy listening to her. So I sometimes guess I do, but it was a public service announcement this evening for the the Brooklyn Nets. Guess what? All right, the guess what segment in which we try to guess things. Uh, Matthew said the Suns. I'm trying to catch him on the season, so I said the Nets, and I so unfortunately I win this one. I'm within four games of you, dude. So 26 and 18 for me, 30 and 14 for you. Up next, tomorrow night, the New York Knickerbockers. The Suns have the last game of their five-game road trip, and they are going against the hottest team in the NBA, the New York Knicks, a team that has won nine in a row. Matthew, what are you looking for in this game? Um, Man, this is going to be an awesome game, honestly. <laughs> I'm super excited. I was more excited about this game than the Brooklyn Nets game because I didn't know Katie was going to play. I am looking for Mikael Bridges and R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is handling himself very well. You know, the third pick in the NBA draft two years ago. And I think he's he's improving, but he just does the little things on the court. He's not too drastic. He's not trying to ask for too much from his teammates. He does little things I love. And I, maybe Mikael Bridges, it'll be like an off night, kind of in a way, where you're playing a guy who's not going to like really out-athleticize you athleticism you whatever and this podcast what am i talking about (laughs) but he's just a guy where you know it might be a little bit easier to guard and then we can see a good mikhail bridges defensive game um against maybe someone that's kind of on the same level as him i think rj's handled himself very well but julius randall we're all big julius randall fans he's amazing i got to watch him yesterday he's just He's a different, I mean, he's always been good. We've always loved him, but he has improved the game so much where he just sticks out of that team like a, like a superstar. So it's going to be fun to watch him and see who the hell guards him. Maybe it's Mikhail Bridges, who knows, but I'm watching Julius Randle, dude, and I'm watching what DeAndre does to respond on a yes. second back-to-back. Yes, I'm, I'm watching Julius Randle. I'm watching this whole team, man. You know, it's exciting. It's a team that, much akin to the Suns, have not had much success in the past decade. So, you know, it's almost like a kindred spirit. You know, you look at the Nets and it's a team that, 
is steroided out. And although they have a connection to Phoenix through personnel, it's a team that's on a different playing field because they have all these superstars who play there. And then you have the Knicks, who's just kind of you know been a dumpster fire in the NBA for quite some time now. And to see them be successful, I know that the people back in New York are thoroughly and utterly enjoying this. Julius Randle is a beast this year, 24 points a game, six assists, yeah. 10.5 rebounds. As you mentioned, R.J. Barrett starting to come into his own a little bit. Uh, 17.6 points per game, also has 5.6 rebounds and three assists, and is somebody who shoots 38% from deep. And it's just it's a team that, you know, you, you take those two young guys – and that core, you put around them Derek Rose. Uh, they have Nerlens Noel. They've got uh, Emmanuel Quickly. The the rookie has been doing a fantastic job for them as well. And they got Obi Toppin. Remember how much I wanted Obi Toppin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the Suns, he he'll still be pretty good. Anything. Well, it's just it's, it's unfortunate him, because you know he's played in fifty one games this year. He gets eleven minutes a game and he scores four points uh, a, a contest and two point three rebounds. It's because he plays Julius Randle's spot. You know his whole the whole purpose was to bring him in and maybe Julius Randle wasn't going to work out and then all of a sudden boom, Julius Randle worked out. So Obi Toppin, man. Yeah, he still has a future. I think maybe, of course, of course, he might be traded. Who knows? But, I mean, any rookie coming into the season, especially when you're a bigger guy, it's going to be more difficult for them to start learning. I mean, we have our own issues with uh, – uh, I was going to call him Flex – Sticks. and <laughs> But uh, he he's absolutely a guy that needs to feed off of other guys, giving him the ball in certain situations too. So you're not going to see a lot of that really right now from him. So next year, see what happens with him. But, yeah, we were big fans of him. Dude. We were like, if he falls, we got to get him. We got to get Obi yeah. Toppin. So. I was all about that be top in life yeah. but you know again long career ahead of him and you know there's uh, another big guy from this draft who hasn't really had an opportunity to pan out because big guys one take longer to develop and two this was not an ideal draft to come out of given the fact that there was no training camp a very muted preseason not a lot of opportunity yes. to develop just like Jalen Sticks Smith as well so uh, all that being said who wins the game Matthew the Suns or the Knicks Suns all right just in an effort to catch up on you I will say Knicks so if you catch up to me, that means the Suns ended the season terribly, right? Yeah, that's well. If you keep that picking sucks. them, if you don't get to win anything, if 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 you get to keep picking them, I'm going to. Okay, well then you you keep you keep picking them, and I'll have to keep picking. They're like just once pick the other team. It's like okay, fuck. I want you to pick the other team, man. I want you to pick the other team. So, um, yeah. I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to mention real quick before we got out of here. Oh God, this kills me. I didn't put it in my Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. We talked a little bit of Mortal Kombat. What do you think? I loved it, dude. I think it's great. I give it ten out of ten. I think it's just a perfect, just video game movie. Like it's just, it's so quick. They cut to the shit. There's no dramatization in it. Like you don't have to wait and sit there through long scenes. It's just, you know, fighting and fighting and fighting, dude. Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It 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 was what it was supposed to be. A fun, entertaining, Mm -hmm. stupid movie. Like I was talking to somebody and they're like, well, the plot holes in the movie are very apparent, you know? And I'm like, dude, it's a fucking Mortal Kombat movie. Like, what are you trying to, like, it's not, an, you're not going to try yeah. to win an Oscar with Mortal Kombat. I know. The actors weren't that bad either. I thought they did a solid job casting, dude. I, yeah, I did as well. So, good. God, I feel like there's one other thing I wanted to I'm talk sorry. about. Was the Suns related or out it was, of? It was Suns related. It was, it was Suns basketball related. We talked about the Knicks. We talked about, well. Is it playoffs? No, let's hmm. just. Is that it? Hmm. Oh, you got it. You hear that? There, round and round and round we go. Wow, that was good. That was the best verse I sang too. Thanks for not showing the other ones. Yeah, I know. I just I got the I got the money in the bank. So thanks for showing. Yeah, thanks for showing that at all. I don't know why I'm thanking you. <laughs> fucking fantastic, man. So I think good. I think on that note, uh, you are our jam star, Matthew, for getting on the Thank mic you. last night 
and just mm-hmm. rocking out to Tupac. Dream come true. Especially, yeah, yeah. That that woman filming in the back. What yeah. about her blackout sons? You got a what problem happened? with her? <laughs> He's talking about the woman who's filming you in the back. Oh, yeah, that was Shannon. Oh, was it Shannon? Okay, it was Shannon. I was just focused on myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think on that note, we're gonna call it a, a wrap on this episode of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So again. If you are watching along live with us, thank you. Go ahead, subscribe, hit the thumbs up button, let everybody know where to come when the Suns games are over and where they if they want the best Suns content on the interwebs. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and the Phoenix Fans app. Uh, on that note, I'm gonna, you know, it's only four o'clock in the afternoon. Shit, I can Ooh. still go do some things. So yeah, go this do is those gonna things. be that's gonna be fantastic. So on that note, Suns fans, we'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully, a better result. Yeah, don't forget to watch Game of Thrones tonight. Everyone, go home and love your family. I just had a pizone. <laughs>